Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to PHLY Flyers presented by Mortgage CS. Check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS ID number 1464766. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me today, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor, as well as Broad Street Hockey's own Kelly Hinkle. It's been a while. I feel like we haven't had everyone together for a while. Kelly wasn't in last week. We had some post games and stuff. It's been weird, but we have the three of us together today. Um, We're going to have a little bit of fun answering some mailbag questions, talking about the outdoor game, going nuts over Twitter rumors, because that's what we do all the time, Charlie. I just roll my eyes. This is our job. Yeah. We talk about the team five days a week. Yes, I'm going to respond to every little thing that happens. Yeah. What else am I supposed to do? Uh, but we, <laughs> but before we start the show, we want to let everyone know we have a new sponsor. We want to say welcome and thank you to Coors Light, the new official beer of PHLY Flyers. Coors Light, part of the Molson Coors family of beers, the official beer across PHLY and all city. This is really exciting. It is, and we are uh, we're on deal. we're on the Coors Light train. We are on the Silver Bullet, and yeah. I am pretty freaking excited about it. Uh, had myself quite a few. I didn't know if the sponsorship started yet <laughs> last post game and i was texting vince i was like hey are these uh are these fair game he's like yeah yeah i was like all right good because i already <laughs> cracked open a 30 uh and we are getting started but as you can see Coors Light, the newest member of the phly flyers family all right i'm i'm excited to go all in on on this Coors light train me too i mean also i love us using the train thing because yeah. the train was part of their advertising campaign for years and years it was we got the we got the mountains becoming blue we got the silver bullet we got so many angles we can take with this and also now we have a much better excuse to drink beer on air it really yeah i, I definitely needed the excuse um you definitely needed the excuse <laughs> and no it's it's really cool to see uh that we're we're getting we're getting chill here we're choosing to go chill with coors light we're just so chill ice cold extremely it's, chill it's what we no do one's here. ever been chiller it's what, <laughs> it's what we do here all right uh, i mentioned right off the top the twitter rumor of the day we're going to be doing this every day until be, march 8th to be clear it's not a Twitter rumor. The the reports uh, are reports. Okay, yes. What what I, the what, Twitter freak what out? What I'm of the rolling day. my eyes at is the Twitter freak out yes. because it is insane. You guys are there are, are reports crazy. that perhaps the team is a little more interested in re-signing Sean Walker than they initially let on, which was zero percent. 
Um, Which I don't think was ever the case either. That's the thing. There was never a time where the Flyers didn't like Sean Walker. They very much like Sean Walker as a player. They very much, in an ideal world, if everything was dandy and the Flyers were a Stanley Cup contender, they would like to be in a situation where Sean Walker re-signing him, a guy who really likes being in Philly, who's played really well here, who fits really well in John Tortorella's system, they'd very much like to re-sign him. And it makes sense that when they are in Toronto... And they are in the home base of uh, KO, which is the uh, the agency that Sean Walker is under. Kurt Overhart runs the uh, runs the agency. Uh, Cam Stewart is his actual agent. That when they're in their home base, they're going to catch up with those guys, and they're going to get an idea of okay, look, we're hitting the trade deadline in a few weeks. Obviously, Sean Walker has been rumored to be potentially on the move, or at the very least, they're listening. It makes perfect sense that Danny Briere in those conversations would say to those guys, hey, if we turn our attention to maybe looking to re-sign Sean, what would it cost? What is what what are you guys looking for? It makes perfect sense that the Flyers would have those conversations because you know what it is? It's more information. It gives Danny Briere more information as to, hey, if circumstances change, if maybe somebody makes a big offer for Rastalainen, if somebody makes a big offer for Nick Sealer, if somebody gets injured, whatever, it behooves them to know what it would cost to sign Sean Walker, theoretically, to a long-term deal. I spent this morning checking in with my sources. I do not think that it is imminent that they are going to sign Sean Walker to an extension. This is information gathering on the part of Danny Breer. I do not think the reports from Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick and Anthony DeMarco were incorrect. There definitely were was at the very least theoretical numbers thrown around. But that does not mean that they are about to put pen to paper on a contract. This is the due diligence that a smart GM has right. to do on the situation. That was my thought. Like this is his literal job. Yes. Is to find this information out. Yes. And Even consider it. At, like mm-hmm. Yes, it is his, his job. job. It is yeah. his job to find out and consider. I also was just thinking, like, I guess there's nothing stopping the opposing GM maybe looking to acquire Sean Walker from calling his agent and being like, so what do you think that might cost if we wanted to keep you? But yeah. if in one phone call you were just like, hey, we're looking to keep Sean Walker, like we're looking to trade for Sean Walker, have you had any talks with him about what that might cost me? You know, like perhaps that is a sentence that would be asked of Danny Briere, and he doesn't want to go, oh, let me go back yeah, to you. Yeah, right. Like, no, right. You, you, he doesn't you, want to sound like a fucking you idiot. You want to have those conversations, <laughs> and I can absolutely confirm that those conversations happen. This was reported by multiple sources when in Toronto, Danny Briere and Keith Jones and the Flyers chatted with Sean Walker's representation. But that's exactly what he should be doing. They should be having these conversations just to know. And will this impact whether they trade him or resign him or whatever? Of course it will, because any additional information is better. Having that line of communication is out there. And it's never been any secret that the Flyers like Sean Walker as a player and Sean Walker likes being in Philadelphia. So this is all good. To me, everything that came out today 
is good. It's good in that it's good that there's that that information is being exchanged from both sides. Mm -hmm. And now Danny Briere has a better understanding as to whether in a week, two weeks, three weeks, if he actually wants to go through with making a trade of Sean Walker, or if there are other avenues and other paths that he could take where maybe it could make sense to sign to resign Sean Walker. But I don't think this is like, oh my God, they're going to resign Sean Walker. They're so stupid. And this goes back to another point I want to make, which is a plea that I make every year uh -oh. around this time. Don't get angry at things that haven't happened yet. Oh, yeah. Like, if it, hasn't, if it hasn't happened yet, Don't get mad. maybe take a big old step back. And if you want to express your disagreement with that particular path, that is fair. But don't get yourself so infuriated over theoretical possibilities that you are like tweeting out that I'm done with this Flyers team. They don't know what they're well, doing. They're like, not rebuilding. They clearly. didn't do anything yet. Uh, <laughs> the theoretical conversation and gathering information is all definitely part of Danny Briere's job. We all agree here. 100%. That said, it does come down to the, like, if they do this, it's not smart. I, I, I think it depends on a lot of other it, things. It depends I think. on the it depends on the circumstances. Resigning a twenty nine year old defenseman having a career year on year one of a rebuild is not smart. In it, a vacuum, yes, yes, yeah. But like, if other things happen, like Charlie said, like what if Risto does get traded? Good. We just fixed the problem. Very good. A pretty not good player making way too much money is gone. Or if Sealer is also so. Let's say you great. Lose you got more than you expected for an overvalued player. That doesn't mean you have to fix a mistake with a mistake. But you can't. You can't have six practical rookies playing defense. It doesn't make any Can sense. You have Who are they going to learn from? Can, from the other nine guys they have so under contract. If, they have eight guys under contract already, right now. But we already talked about, we already went through this three weeks ago when the last rumor came out that said Twitter going fucking crazy with, with Nick Sealer. And we agree that, look... If Nick Sealer could be used as something of a 6-7, it wouldn't necessarily block people. I express my concern that that would actually happen. If, in theory, this would be replacing Nick Sealer with Sean Walker, I think it could work. I've always said that N N Sean Walker made some sense to me as the potential bridge to Oliver Bonk. That was my thought. Yes, once you got Jamie Drysdale, it makes the right side defense a little bit more crowded, especially with Bonk coming in the next couple of years. But again, there are scenarios where I could say, yeah, signing Sean Walker to a, a three-year deal worth $4.25 million a year could make some sense. It's not necessarily what I would do in these particular circumstances as I see them now, but it's good to know that that might be the cost if a couple other dominoes fall. It's good to know that that might be the cost. And three at 4.25, you can probably live with. I don't know why a 29-year-old defenseman hitting the open market for the first time would take a three-year deal. Well, like, it depends on how I mean, much it depends on how much he wants to come back here. <laughs> yeah. Again, there's a lot of variables, and that's why I'm saying don't go crazy until something well, actually happens. I have happens. just never seen, and I realize that this is a new regime who's never really been in this circumstance before. I've never seen the Flyers uh, like since like what Wayne Simmons and Sean Couturier give out like a good one of these contracts mm -hmm. no, like to a guy yeah. this age like yeah the Joel Farabee deal TK deal Sean Walker if you're talking about what that price is the three years four two whatever like those are pretty good contracts but typically 
in a pending free agent situation, not buying some U or some RFA years. Okay, this is good now, and it could be a bargain down. Like talking about for prime year guys, mm -hmm. we have never once paid like a good contract. Well, then in theory, you could argue, and I mean, if you want to make no the, UFA if you want to make this case, contracts. sure. But yeah, then you're basically saying that all UFA contracts are bad. You should never do it. You well, should do it for top end guys who can help you win right now, and you deal with the consequences later. A mid level guy on a three year contract. That, that three years is fine. I'm saying I don't see that as a realistic possibility. Well, then you don't I sign don't know. Then, I don't, then, then, then you, you don't, don't sign them. And that's exactly. why you have these conversations. And that's why I'm saying this conversation is good to have. Yes. But the ultimate, the ultimate conclusion needs to be, yeah, this doesn't make any fucking sense. And if you think it does make sense, you're probably doing the wrong thing in my eyes. So here, here's the other thing, though, that needs to be kept in mind, I think. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be hearing a lot of these kinds of reports. And it's... It behooves the Flyers to leak this kind of things out, and it behooves Walker's camp to leak this yes. kind of things out. It, if it seems like the Flyers are interested in keeping him, well, then suddenly you're not going to be able to lowball yeah. Danny Briere if yeah. you want him. And if you're Sean Walker's people, oh, the Flyers kind of want to sign him for this. If I want him, or Sean Walker is, you know, like, if they leak it out, it makes them seem more valuable. I'm making sense. Yeah, right? I think so. My brain isn't gone. Okay, but... <laughs> Again, like Charlie said, there's no sense in hearing these reports that are obviously leaked from somebody and thinking that they're gospel and then no. freaking out about it. Like, this doesn't mean the rebuild's over. It just means that someone's playing a little bit of chess and Danny Breer's collecting information. It, it, makes, it makes sense for Danny Breer to not try to hide this information right. because— it then sends the message to the other GMs who potentially would be interested in Sean Walker that, hey, the Flyers yeah. are potentially interested in resigning this guy, so I can't lowball. Right. It makes sense for the agent to try to get this information out there because, number one, he wants to negotiate through the media. Number two, he also wants to set a baseline as to, like— This not, is the minimum. Like, yeah, not only that, but also when you're throwing around numbers like $5 million in— in tandem with Sean Walker's name, even by osmosis, it gets people thinking this guy is good. Yeah. Because, yes. like, this time last year, Sean Walker was a guy who was getting scratched regularly and ended up getting sent in a cap dump to another team. Now, when people think Sean Walker, they think, a $5 million player. And even if you think that's an overpay, then suddenly it's reset the thinking because it's like, well, $5 million might be too much, but like $4 million, yeah, maybe that's fair. Oh, shit, we got a deal. Exactly. <laughs> what you're doing is you're basically resetting the expectations so surrounding a player. Yeah. This is all of the games that get played this time of year. And it's actually fun if you are approaching it with the knowledge yeah. that it's all people playing games. Yeah. Oh. If you approach it with the, oh my God, every rumor I read 24 hours ago is destined to happen, then you're just going to lose your mind yeah. and you're going to be angry for the next three weeks. And I guess I don't see why you would purposely do that to yourself, but people do it all the time. So I guess maybe on some level they enjoy it. I don't know. I guess. No, it's... I think people just take it to then what is the next step? Like, okay, we're looking at this and it's a good conversation to have. But then if they actually do it, when do we get the, those high-end players? Where are they coming from? Who are they? Where do they play? 
How do we like? There's only so many contracts you can have. There's only so many. There's, there's only so many spaces that's, in the defense. There's only that's so, the there's, key. There's only so many dudes you're allowed to have. If everyone's resigned and Jamie Drysdale is our best guy, all right, he looks like nice, but like I'm not. I don't think anyone's seeing number one right now. Yeah, you know? he's struggling. He's got you're, tools. You're, you're hoping that and, over the course yeah. of an off season and a training camp and multiple years, they can develop him into an impact guy. He's very yeah. clearly not that impact guy yet. It's just like. Well, okay, we've said we need high-end players. Yeah. We are in a rebuild. Where do we get the high-end players? Because we keep winning, and we keep spending the cap space. Now there's no assets. We can't draft them. We can't buy them. Where do we get that? Which is why I don't think all of these things are going to happen. I doubt it. Because <laughs> the, the organization would not continue to tell us, we are rebuilding. We're going to trade guys that you like. If they are also intending not to do that because they're just going to piss everybody off. What yeah. would be the point of this? Yeah. They simply wouldn't say these things out loud. To trick us for three years and then <laughs> some other regime gets to take over and do oh, the same no. shit. I know. I know. I know. But it's like we've been through this a lot. Look, they, look <laughs> these guys can do basic math, I hope. I and I think they understand well, like, OK, you've got. On the right side, you have Jamie Drysdale, who's 21, 22 years old, and is going to be part of this one way or the other. Travis Sanheim, who they said last week we see as a right side defenseman. Rasmus Lina with a $5.1 million cap hit for three more years after this one. Oliver Bonk coming up. And now you're going to throw Sean Walker into that situation. Potentially, it behooves them to see what he would cost. And then they can use that in their thinking over the next three weeks as to whether it makes sense for them to keep him. Whether a third round pick is worth their time because, you know, okay, well, is a third round pick too little? Does it make more sense for us to keep him the rest of the year? Try to try to have fun with this, keep the team together and then deal with what deal with the negotiation aspect of it at the end of the season. I would still say no. I would still say if you're you're not going to resign him, trade him. But I understand why that would be part of their thinking is that, you know, hey, weird things happen in hockey. Maybe it's worth seeing how this team can go. This is all just new information that's being added to the conversation, the internal conversations they're having. I... I guess I should have expected Twitter to lose its collective mind this I mean, morning, oh, but yeah. I didn't. I didn't think people were going to be this angry about it, but they were apparently. You, you, just, you just enjoyed yourself way too much on a Sunday to think that people could do this. Like, in the course between the end of the game on Saturday and this morning, did you somehow lose all of the lessons we have learned in Saturday's the last 10 game, years together? Charles I like to believe help. that people can, like, look with even a little bit of perspective oh, no. at a situation but they can't no. they can't no. and, and it's also it's also too i'm being influenced by twitter because yes. these are the, the most these, these are the most on the online yeah. deranged fans yeah. who want You're to do this between two that's episodes. why we're so popular there charlie that's why people why like do you us? think our popularity has skyrocketed over these last <laughs> like no it's listen i think everyone you probably could stand to maybe I don't know, chill, chill out, chill out just a bit. Have uh, a delicious course. Our light. Philadelphia Flyers give us reason upon reason to lose your mind, and sometimes you you just can't get so worked up. You kind of find a better way, a chiller way, and that's why you just need to sometimes pop open a Coors Light, crack one, fam. Whether it's in a can, whether it's in the bottle, you know that when those mountains turn blue. It's time to chill out. It's time to chill out with our friends at Coors Light. 
Uh, so when you choose to rise above it all, choose chill, choose Coors Light, get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash P-H-L-Y hockey, celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And look, that chilled me out. It did. There you go. I really thought about just drinking one. I was like, what time is it? Yeah, it's a little early. <laughs> it's a little early. Three, I have to drive home. After Saturday, it's I'm like, I need, a, I need a day. Yeah. I, need a day. Just, I need to recharge a little bit. Yesterday didn't really happen. Like, it was just kind of. I mean, I drove back home. Oh that was my, my travel. There we was were, traffic on the Jersey Turnpike. It was a thing. We got, uh, we, we took a party bus there and back. Um, subjecting Chris to my friends, our, one of our social media managers oh, here, no. was really something else. Um, good oh, for him. Boy. He did it. He, he got there he and made back. It. And Trial by fire. We all Love made that. it. Uh, but the outdoor game, are we done yelling about the other shit? Yeah. I, well, I, I want to talk a little bit more about the Walker stuff because okay. I want to make it clear that in the current situation... It doesn't make sense they to resign Sean Walker. One hundred percent. Because there's just there's too many guys, especially if you are strongly considering also resigning Nick Sealer. That doesn't they make any sense do given the amount of guys you have under contract. It doesn't fit. Could there be a scenario where you move enough guys where it could make sense? Sure. Like, there's a lot of different ways that this could play out. And in no way, shape, or form am I saying like this is gonna happen, but like, for example, we talk all the time about how are they going to get high-end talent? Like, what if getting high-end talent involves them trading like a Cam York to get out? Like, like Someone asked that question, but, Stop giving away no, all the questions, no, but, Charlie. But, but seriously, like, yes. it, there's a reason why gathering information makes sense because you don't know what trades are going to pop up down the road. You don't know if sometime in June, like let's say sometime in June, they get an offer to get a star level player that involves them trading away a guy who we don't even think is available right now and then maybe even you trade at sean walker at the deadline and then sean walker's camp comes back around in early june and is like hey you know that team you traded us you traded me to you're trading my guy to we don't really want to sign there we he loved his time in philly let's start talking now you've built up an idea in your head as to what it might cost to have him come back to philly again there's a lot of these conversations that are going to happen. Right now, it doesn't make any sense to me for them to re-sign Sean Walker, given the realities of the roster. The realities of the roster can change, and it behooves Danny Briere to get an idea as to what it would cost if the realities of the roster change, if something unexpected comes across his desk. No, that's absolutely what he needs to be doing right now is gathering any and all potential uh, information heading into the March 8th trade deadline. Um, if you had to guess, what is the most likely outcome on or before March 8th with Sean Walker? I traded for a second. I think the most likely outcome is he still gets traded. I do, because I just think that what would have to happen for them to re-sign him it's going to involve a lot of shoes dropping. Those shoes could drop. You never know. But the the smart money in my mind is still on him getting moved. All the digging I did this morning told me that they haven't like the two sides have not started seriously negotiating. Yeah. They tossed some numbers around, they caught up, both sides came like agreed in their conversation that 
we like your player. And then the other side was like, he likes being in Philly. And then the, the, the conclusion to that was, we shouldn't shut the door on a potential extension. Okay, that sounds great. I, I do can't not get trade the sense. You yeah, I, if I, everyone knows I have to trade you. I, I did not get the sense that the two sides have started really hammering out numbers. It's not that far. This is still information gathering. The most logical explanation for what we're hearing right now is like Charlie said, they're in Toronto, so they catch up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then we've been hearing Sean Walker's name since like December. About like the teams, new Morgan are, teams are calling. Tired of talking teams about have Sean been Walker. calling since December, it seems like. Yeah. And I bet a lot of these calls are like, "Well, you're not keeping him anyway, right?" Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, like well, "Well, you're not going to keep him." Maybe we know? are. Bitch. You, you got to trade him. He's yeah. going to leave for nothing. There's a reason his name's Walker because he's going to walk. He's on walking. You. Like, you know, I, I just and now Danny can be like, "Well, actually, well, we actually. think uh, it's only going to cost about four mil, and we have that." And everyone loves Rasmus Ristolainen, so like I get it. I, I just I get it. I just think Danny, what he is doing right now yeah. is putting himself it's into the job. putting himself in position going into into March eighth that he could theoretically trade anybody who is in that like, group of players that people are calling on, and he wants to keep himself in the position where if the right offer comes around on any of these guys, where if the right offer comes around on Scott Lawton, Nick Sealer, Sean Walker, Rastris Line, any of these guys, that if a good enough offer hits, he can make that move and have all of the information necessary to make an informed decision on which guy he can afford to trade. And what he will do if he decides to make that trade. We're not used to seeing a general manager do general manager well, things. We'll see. Maybe Danny will make really dumb decisions at, on March 8th. Could and, do. and if he does, we will criticize him for That's, those. But I'm not going to criticize him for something that hasn't happened yet. That's, you know, Charlie said earlier, I expect him to be able to do basic math. Chuck Fletcher did go to Harvard. Is the and same guy still running the cap? <laughs> yes, Barry Hanrahan oh, is still dear. running the cap. Hanrahan! <laughs> <laughs> but until March 8th, until anything bad actually does happen, I think it's smart for everyone out there to take Charlie's advice, chill out, and have a nice cold Coors, Coors Light. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to talk a little about Saturday's game. Mm. Uh, Kelly, you were on the post-game show. Charlie called in. Um, one of us didn't do their job that day. Oh, you did. You were on. <laughs> I on represented. Site, like I represented PHLY Flyers as a fan. Yeah. And uh, weaseled my you way out tweets. of my responsibility. And, yeah, you, you, and you did some, some good game time work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. A, a, trust, the game time a trusted stuff. partner. Game uh, time. Yes. Do we have game time today? We do. Uh, I believe they we were do. awesome. I'll talk to you about them in a minute. Um, but now the game was. They, we were all talking. Uh, we had three different perspectives. You watched on TV. You yeah. watched from the press box, and I watched from the seats amongst the people. And these things, I have gone to every Flyers outdoor game except obviously Tahoe because no well, one's in COVID. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. A, it was, we wasn't legal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have had a tremendous time at all of them. That That's said, fine. they've only won one, and they're not good at them. Hey, I was at that one. Doesn't keep getting. And they almost cheaper. lost that one. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> No, Ava tells a great story because I actually, we were like somewhere and it was shitty out. I was like, it's raining, you know, it's going to yeah. be miserable getting an Uber out of here. There's like five minutes left. Do you want to just, and she's like, we can't leave early. I was like, all right. All right. 
right? And then they went, and so now she brings it up all the time that I wanted to go. She yeah. should. And yeah, I talked shit should. on Twitter about people leaving the game yeah. early on Saturday. A little, little bit hypocritical there, Bill, huh? I'm a hypocrite. That's fine. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's <what's> matter. <laughs> I have no problem you saying that. just change your opinion. Uh, that's fine. These, uh, these outdoor games, while once a highly anticipated spectacle, they are a tremendous time if you go. They do not seem like a great broadcast. The broadcast was in probably the worst hockey broadcast really I've bad. ever watched in my life. They <laughs> didn't really call the game okay. at all. They were just talking about random stuff. They were conducting interviews during play. So like split screen, here's the hockey game. Here's Gary Bettman on a bench being interviewed by someone while the game is happening. This sounds to me like a really, really bad version of the Manning cast. It, ter it was terrible. And, like, there's room for that, but on, what was uh, it? Like a we side broadcast. Like, but, like, <laughs> no, on Wednesday, they just did it with the Chicklets guys. Like, for the, it was uh, Florida and Pittsburgh. But the Chicklets guys are calling the game, On right? True TV, they're, like, doing their own thing. Right. I think they're calling the game. I didn't it, want At least, like, chatting. mentioning like, the game. It's on True TV, and they're going to do their bullshit. And if you want the traditional broadcast, watch the... Tr and, right. like, they split it up. The Manning cast is extra. It is right. not yeah. the only broadcast right. on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Like, to, to include it is like, well, this is what you get. Like, there are... While there are about 75,000, 80,000 people in this stadium... There's more Flyers fans. I won't say there's more Devils fans than that. There's more Flyers fans than that in the <laughs> yeah. world. And they're probably watching on television. Yeah. Maybe cater to them a bit. Well, my thing was like, these kinds of games are the ones that I think that if I'm the NHL, I'm hoping suck in a casual fan, right? Like I'm flipping through the channels. Yeah. It's on ABC. Oh, cool. It's outside. I'll watch it for a minute. If I don't understand hockey... And I'm just listening to two people talk about parks in New Jersey while a game's happening on my television, <laughs> and I don't know what's going on. Like, I'm going to very quickly be like, well, I don't This yeah. is stupid. I'm going to turn it off. It was just a very strange bunch of choices. Is that like what? Like, Jack Hughes, one of the probably the next five faces of the sport, yeah. is on the ice, and they're like, so tell me about Asbury. Yeah, pretty much like that. <laughs> and like, Yikes. I don't know why we needed so many concerts in between. Like, it seemed like too many... The, when they were calling the game, it was very devil's forward. Um, okay. For a national broadcast, I thought it was a little one-sided. And, like, to be fair, so the devils... The yeah, I was going to say, to be fair, the devils were winning the game almost from puck drop. So, like, I, I kind of get it. I was in the bathroom when they scored. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. I had not made it to my seat yet. Yeah, it was just, it was just a, a very poorly put together broadcast for such what I would imagine is a big deal for the league yeah. putting these things on television. It wasn't, it wasn't fun. And like a two day event, you're yeah. like, I don't know. I, it was weird. Whatever. Um, so what the broad, yeah. so the broadcast, broadcast, broadcast stunk. stunk. what Game was it like? Stinky. What was it yeah. like in the stands? MetLife I thought was pretty cool. Um, okay. decent stadium where we were sitting. It was like not end zone, but corner towards maybe like the 20 yard line, but up a little still had. So were you on the side of the tree? I was things? on the penalty box. You were on the penalty box yes. side. Okay. okay. Uh, and like kind of looking from an angle, but it was still, it's a pretty steep stadium from what I could tell. Okay. So like, well, it's huge. Yeah. They have 80,000 people that can like, fit in there, which is the biggest uh, NFL stadium. I was in the second level. I didn't feel like I was forever away. Okay. Like, so that was pretty cool. Um, the concourse where we were, it was kind of closed off. Like the, uh, I, 
I like it to the Phillies like Hall of Fame club how it's like okay now here's some doors and you actually mm. go inside it's, mm. like, okay. we had that behind us which was sick for at intermission go warm up yeah. and also no open air behind me the wind can only get you from so many places so I wasn't even freezing cold that's, that's good nice. that was yeah. a great that was a great experience the game itself like listen it's in uh, MetLife it's 80% Devils fans, and uh, they won. That was unpleasant. Right. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but, like, they're always really fun. It is a celebration of hockey. You're seeing it somewhere you don't typically see. Yeah. Right. The simulating the outdoor game when you are in an 80,000-seat stadium is always going to be a little awkward. Like, oh, and we, we made a park where people are just walking around <laughs> with a fake baby. Also, like, you know, there's beer vendors behind you. You're right. not in a park. Yeah, you're yeah. definitely not, you definitely not in Central Park. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, it's weird, but it's always a good time. Uh, was it loud? Because to give you some background on my perspective, and I mentioned this on the post game to Kelly, mm -hmm. because the press box is behind very thick glass even though i was in the stadium and i was watching it in person you feel disconnected from the sounds of the game and the sounds of the crowd because you just can't hear things that well it's very muffled so i'm curious how loud it was in the stadium because i talked to some of the players today and they said you really couldn't hear the crowd that much they're because so they're far. so far away from the people and i hear that um I get to make a wrestling reference now. They say that a lot, like when they do the big stadium shows, like mm. the crowd is so far away, especially if it's open air, sound just goes straight up. Yeah. yeah. The players don't. If the crowd did not sound super loud to me, the sounds oh, of the game fans. clearly mic'd yeah. uh, because right. that shit was super loud. Like okay. I'm in the two, I'm in the 200 level and I'm like, that post sounds like it was next to me. <laughs> like, so that, but like that, it's cool hearing yeah. like the ice and everything, uh, the sounds from there. But no, I didn't think the like game atmosphere was particularly loud, except for like one "Let's Go Devils" chant okay. that started. Okay, that's that was pretty much my experience. I'm not surprised. The game itself. Let's eh. talk about the game. Let's talk about the game itself a minute. Um, mm -hmm. I sent you guys some notes and ideas the other night, and it was based in the premise that now that's not to say this will be won't be passed like in the next game the flyers play but this game was the biggest flyers game since game seven against the islanders hmm. i don't want to say they didn't show up they did they, they no, showed up they tried uh, you get scored on in the first 40 seconds of the game. Well, if anything, I, in all honesty, I think that goal, which you were in the bathroom for, yeah. that was less an example of them not showing up. And that was more an example that they were too amped up. No, they were, yes. And it was just kind of one of those things that happens when the Flyers play the way the Flyers play. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I just like, I don't know. It, it didn't feel like they ever, I wouldn't say they played bad. But they never looked like themselves. I agree with that. Yes. At no point, like, I just kept, they, they would make the one play, someone would looking up with the puck, and there wasn't just one guy darting through this. Like, it, they just never really looked like themselves and had those moments where Agreed. they were in control, which we have seen, even in their worst games against some really good teams, we have seen them at least like, okay, that's them. And I just, it, they played the devil's game, I thought. It was very messy. Yeah. I, I do think that there was a run in the second period when they did play their game. Here's what I think more or less happened from a strategic standpoint in this game, because Travis Sanheim straight up admitted this. I included it in my piece on the game. They came into the game with the idea that 
they were and the Flyers shoot a lot normally, but mm-hmm. they came into this game with the idea they were going to shoot from everywhere because it's an outdoor game. Mm-hmm. You have the elements; it's unpredictable. The ice is weird. The boards are weird. If you shoot from a lot of places, you're likely going to get some bounces, which truthfully did prove to be the case. It just proved to be the Against case Ayers, for yeah. the Devils. Right, yeah. The Devils <laughs> got two huge rebounds yes. from Harrison that he probably doesn't give up in a normal stadium. They turn them into goals. The Flyers were not able to take advantage of that because Nico Dawes played really well. But what I think, of course, it, he did. What I think it did was you don't think he played that well i mean i I do think he played well but i also think that most most of what i saw was the flyers not capitalizing on opportunities more than nico dawes stealing a goal i don't think he stole the i don't think he stole goals but what i do think happened is that because it's a difficult environment, mm-hmm. the Flyers' assumption was if we just put a lot of pucks on this guy, it's not even going to be his fault. He's going to make mistakes yeah. because it's such a weird environment. Fair. He and, didn't screw and, up. And he just That's did true. it. That's and fair. to me, yeah. like I look at these games as very difficult games for goalies. And if you simply play fine, that on the curve is actually you played awesome. That's true. Because it's so friggin' hard for goalies to succeed in this environment. Uh, that yeah, was sort of my view. Definitely like, saw that from like Arison. Arison played poorly. Yeah. Really, this is just what I expect from goalies. Like I expect goalies to play poorly. The fact that Dawes didn't play poorly, in my mind, I adjust that to mean okay. he played really That's well. That's fair. But what I think happened was they came in with the shooting mentality, which is different from the way they normally play. They usually do a better job of, number one, trying to get pucks in higher danger areas. But number two, and this was the key, I thought, Normally, they play much more quick strike transition focused mm. game. I thought the entire first period they were they were they had the puck all the time, but they weren't playing their transition quick strike game. They put a ton of pucks on Dawes, a ton of pucks at the net, but they weren't playing the game that allows them to maximize their talent because we've talked about it. Part of the reason why they don't score on the power play, it's the high end talent thing, yes, but it's that. They score goals off the rush. Yes. This is how they score. When they have to play a half-court game, they don't score because they don't have those kind of guys. Their offensive talents, Konechny, Tippett, their, their big guys are guys who thrive off the rush. I thought in the first period they played a half-court game, yeah. and that played into why they didn't score. I thought in the second period they finally started playing they much the attacking yeah. game. And for about a 10-minute stretch, they they get that goal. They cut it to 2-1. For about a 10-minute stretch, I thought they looked like the Flyers. They were controlling the game. They were playing the way that they play when they're at their best. Then they took some dumb penalties. Yeah, and I is. just thought that they never got it back after Konechny took that dumb retaliation penalty. Sealer took a penalty. They scored. They 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 did score at the end of the second period, but yeah. by then, it was 4-1. to one. Then you're chasing the game to a ridiculous degree, and I thought— that that was the game. John Tortorell said after the game, he felt like those penalties halted their momentum and he never got it back. Yeah. And I thought he was 100% right. This is um, something that's been happening a little more recently. Like, they're, I think, sixth in the league in time shorthanded per the game. Like, penalties. it's over, like, 10 minutes, yeah. I think. But I just feel like recently, the last couple of weeks... We have seen them consistently take too many penalties, and mm. I'd, I'd, I'd have to look to see if that actually, like, if that is more of a perception or reality. I didn't look up that before this and show, like, but it, it does feel like they are taking more unnecessary yeah, penalties. Like, penalties. Yeah, you can uh, listen. You take a roughing penalty. Sometimes you hit a guy, and something like, yeah, it happens. Sometimes there's, reti- but like stick penalties, shit like it's like. 
not moving your feet penalties are, that's the opposite of who this team is. If you're the real work hard team, that means you're not chasing and reaching with your stick. Yeah. That means you're moving yeah. your feet. You're in front of the guy. You blocked the shot. You're not trying to get on his hands. Like, I just feel like that's happening a little more recently. And those are the penalties. Like, when, uh, like, Delorier gets the extra instigator in a fight, I think they're going to kill that penalty. I think they're going to kill that penalty. No problem. That's why I don't, I don't have a problem with him taking it. Fair. When it's a dumb-ass stick pen, I'm like, this is... No. Yeah. Like, we ask enough of these guys. They score all of our goals. Right. Like, <laughs> they score as many goals as the power play. We ask enough of them. I, I think maybe we could give them a little bit of a break with the, the dumb shit that is unnecessary, and it's going to stop a team that doesn't have the top-end talent from reaching its potential. I just think that that Konechny penalty was tough. And we, we pushed Tortorella on it after the game, and Tortorella was on. He didn't bite. And I thought this was... Was an honest evaluation of the situation. Tortorella basically said, "Look, yeah, it's a bad penalty, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stop TK from being TK. He plays on the edge, yeah. and this is the negative byproduct of him playing on the edge. Because the fact of the matter is, on that play, the Flyers are on the power play. The Flyers have all the momentum. They're flying. They're only down. I believe it was still two to one at that point. And you're just like, okay, they can really they can use this. This is going to be how they're going to tie the game." Konechny backs into to Brent, to, to Brennan Smith, could have gotten called for interference, doesn't. Konechny stays out on the ice for longer than normal, not because he was hurt, but because he's trying to draw the penalty, he's pissed off. Then he goes in, and Smith gives him a shot. And I think something just snapped in TK. He always plays on the edge, he plays with that energy, he plays with the motion, and he takes a dumb retaliatory penalty. That is Travis Konechny. If you're going to get the good of Travis Konechny, you're going to get some of the bad of Travis Konechny, and that's why Tortorella yeah. didn't give him shit after the game because he knows if I try to rein him in too yeah. much, yeah, he might not take that penalty, but he's not going to be as effective normally. He's also that, going to score 30 fewer points. That, that's a fact. <laughs> However, it doesn't change the fact that from that point on, the Flyers couldn't get it back. Then they lose the power play. Then a couple minutes later, friggin' Brendan Smith... The guy who drew the penalty in the first place scores the goal that makes three to one. Mm. Then the Devils score right after that to make it four to one. Then, for all practical purposes, barring some epic comeback, game's pretty much over. Yes. You squandered the opportunity to take advantage of the fact that for about a 10 minute stretch, you're playing your game. They never really got back to it after that. And again, I'm not going to give Konechny too much shit because this is just who he is, but this is the negative of Travis Konechny is that sometimes he goes a little bit over the edge because of the type of player and the type of person he is, and this was just at the worst possible time it reared its ugly head. I think it's comparable to like, yeah, you might lose a game because Bryce Harper does something real dumb on the base path. I like but it. It's, yeah. it's that way he plays yeah. that wins you five others. Yeah, it's true. So it's like, guess what? You plus deal with four. It. You deal with like, it. Yeah. You're plus four. Yeah, here, you deal you with know? it. Yeah, it's just if you take away this one thing, it's kind of how I feel right now about the way people are complaining about the Department of Player Safety. Mm. Like uh, stick stuff and all that uh, like needs to be taken out. But I think a lot of times people forget this is a real fast emotional game. And if you start asking dudes not to play that way, the game's really going to suck. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's a bad hit. And it's going to be five games instead of 20. Because if we start taking away a fourth of dudes' paychecks, they're not going to play hard anymore. And then our league won't exist. <laughs> so like, I feel like it's just you kind of have to accept the bad with the good sometimes. And that's the bad of Travis Konechny. That's the, like, Konechny can take those penalties. And it's... He shouldn't, 
but like he's really good. Yeah. So you kind of deal with it. It's the other dumb shit that happens sometimes, but this team, this is the way they've played all year. Yeah. And we're just going to have to deal with it. It's just like, now the games matter, and I really want to win them. And this was an important game. <sighs> Not, I mean, number one, the eyes of the league are on you. Everybody's watching. Everybody's paying attention. Number two, it was just a, it was just a big game. Mm -hmm. I mean, they the Devils yeah. are the team chasing down the Flyers. Now the Flyers will get to play the Devils again late in the season. Second in to April. last game, I think it's the thirteenth. Yeah, so they'll have an opportunity for revenge to be sure. And they still, I would say, control their own destiny. If they play well, they're going to make the playoffs. But. The way that I, and I wasn't the only one who took this angle, I think Kevin Kurtz took this angle, Adam Kim, Pip Kimmelman took this angle in his postgame story, it was just a missed opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You had the opportunity, really, to drive a stake through those friggin' devils. And instead, you gave them life. And the concern, in my part, isn't even necessarily that you gave them life in that you let them take two points off you. It's that... I don't want this Devils team to start believing they can go on a run yeah. because that's what's going to get their their GM Fitzgerald thinking, yeah. you know, maybe I should go all in and trade for Jacob Markstrom. And then that because the Flyers, we can talk all we want about should they trade Sean Walker? Should they keep Sean Walker? Should they resign him? Whatever. We can debate that until the cows come home. But yeah, you know what they're not going to do? They're not going to be trading first round picks away for rentals in no. the way that a Devils team that believes they can win it all this year is going to do. So if it's an arms race at the deadline, the Flyers aren't going to be able to match the Devils. No. This was an opportunity for you maybe to get Fitzgerald thinking, you know, maybe this ain't the year. Maybe I'm not going to trade for anybody at the deadline because what's the point? They win this game. Maybe they win a few more games the rest of February going into March. Suddenly, you're not just facing a Devils team with Jack Hughes healthy. You're facing a Devils team that bulked up at the deadline, yeah. and you did it. That got Noah Hannafin. Yeah. Like, these are things that are real possible. And that's yeah. what I kind of wanted to. I also was talking to my one Devils fan the other day. I was like, so you think this is happening? Because I want to bet the Devils to win the East before, <laughs> before it happens. Listen, I had an awesome time at the uh, at the stadium series up in MetLife, and it was all thanks to our friends at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals forget planning months in advance game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event chris and i got our tickets on wednesday for this yeah, show it was pretty pretty uh, quick like I, soon before the game it was on wednesday yeah. we used the seat view app with the all-in pricing so we knew exactly what we were going to be spending i gotta tell you if anything the seat view might have undersold it. That's how good the yeah. seats were. That's really the cool. The seats were really, really freaking phenomenal, quite honestly. Uh, and I was very happy with that game time experience. I think you will be too. So uh, snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app. Create an account and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price. Guaranteed. Uh, mailbag time? Mailbag time. Mailbag. All right, let us get on to a the, Monday. Let us get to the mailbag Monday on actual Monday. What a time to be uh, Let's lead it with something we've talked a little bit about, but it was an interesting question from David Bodine. Uh, while Coots has been playing really well given the year off, looking ahead several years to the Mad Russian, what do you anticipate being Coots' role uh, if we factor in a reasonable decline? Is it middle six center? 
think so. Second line center. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a reason why we've been talking about the fact that they need a long term Mm -hmm. plan at center. There's a reason why we've talked about the idea that, hey, if there's a 1C you can go out there and get who's under 25. Like, that's the big hole. And the big hole is because the assumption is is that Sean Couturier at age 34 isn't going to be the quality of player he is right now. Maybe next year. Like, I I could see. I could see next year him being a little bit better because he's not coming off the layoff. Mm -hmm. I I could see that. But look, the aging curve ultimately comes for everyone. And even someone like Couturier, who is a a very in-shape guy, he prepares well in the off-seasons, like he's going to decline. I think he can age gracefully as long as he stays healthy, but he's not going to be the guy he was at age 27. It's just not going to happen, which is why they need to be looking at other options to be that dynamic, real first-line center. Because in two, three years, I don't think you can reasonably expect Terry is going to be a guy like that. But having, if you do get that top line center, having 70% Sean Couturier as your second line center is a pretty good oh, hell thing yeah. to have. Hell so yeah. That's when good. you're not counting on him to provide offense, uh, at least, you know, top line offense and right. be out there with those guys, he has to be out there on the power play. He like When you can just kind of say, this is your role, mm-hmm. I think you'll be fine. I've, I have said, I think, you know, late stage Jordan Stahl is kind of the... I mean, that's been a comparable throughout his career. And I, and I think, like, Katuri So, because Katuri was better than Jordan Stahl when Jordan Stahl was at his peak, I think that we're in a situation where even if Katuri's career arc goes the same way as Jordan Stahl, Katuri will be better at the, at the age Jordan Stahl is now because Katuri at 25 was better than Jordan Stahl was at 25. All right. Uh, I guess I wanted to ask, since you brought up aging curves... Um, do they come for all of us? Because if you listen to people who haven't watched a ton of hockey lately, uh, Yager can still get out there and put up 30 points. Yo, I would unironically sign him to a one-year Leagueman contract <laughs> just to put him out there on, like, power play, too. Nothing I, else. I, guy, uh, for He has four points in the Czech League in 19 games. He can't move anymore. No. He's 100. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> Now, <laughs> no. I don't think it is. I don't I think just, it has to be. I've been hearing people like, oh, yeah, Yager, he, he can still get out there. I'm like, no, he couldn't. He's in his face. I'm, I'm telling you right now, he, no, he couldn't. He's allowed to age. He <laughs> no, he is. He absolutely, it's just like, I, I, I did, think I did it's love still the, seven years ago. I did love the joke that he made, what was it, uh, during his retirement ceremony yesterday where he was just like, yeah, my girlfriend, girlfriend doesn't even remember. Doesn't even remember when I was a penguin. But he is an, a literal legend. He's, I'm obsessed with him. He like just to be especially what he was to us. I mean, an all-time Penguins villain. Yeah, and then he goes to the Rangers. Like, fuck you. <laughs> you know? We still liked him when he got here. And and then he he comes here and then he you know played for most of the league after that. Mm-hmm. And now he's just like Mister. He's just. Gordy Howe. He's Mr. Hockey. Yeah, like yeah. He is the ambassador of the yeah, game. That's true. You're like, oh, I love hockey, so I love Yager. That's that. Yeah. Like he, It's quite a career I like for that him. guy. He's fun. I find, do you think, no, they never do a thing like retire everywhere he was. No, nah. never. No. But like, can you he, ever he's not put, at that level. Can you ever put 68 on anyone? Like that, yeah, it, it is choice. like yeah, you can. Like if Mitchkov wanted it, okay. No, you can. But it'd have to be that level of I, guy. I don't think so. I don't think 68 is... Like, 
it's a memorable number. I don't think it's that iconic. I just think it's a weird number. So it's not one that they normally are going to give out to anybody. So it's probably, if somebody gets 68, it's going to be because they requested it, because they grew up rooting for Yager, who was like their favorite player. Maybe it's another Czech guy who, like, that was his favorite player growing up, or that was, that's just the legend that he wants to aspire to. It's not like, you know, 22, like a number where it just naturally gets given out because teams like to give out lower numbers. So I don't think it's an example of the Flyers will hesitate to give out 68 because they want to honor. Like, Yager was here for a year. It wasn't that big of a deal. I just think that it's it's a weird number, so someone will have to go out of their way to ask for it. But it was also the last time the team was good. You got that Might be something to it. They've made the playoffs. They even won a round. Does the round really count if no one's there to see it? Yes, it counts. (laughs) I don't count the Dodgers World Series. I don't know if I can count that. I mean, I, I count anything that happened. Oh, did what it, a weird way to go about life. Did it happen? <laughs> Counting things that happened. Uh, let's happened. go to one of my uh, favorite, one of my favorite frequent questioners here, Notorious Pig. Uh, he asks, "Would you consider using Cam York as a piece yep. to get a legit one C? Pairing him with an offensive defenseman like Sanheim or Drysdale seems like a way to smother his offensive upside." 100% yes. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I, I don't dis- I would consider I, I, anyone. I, I disagree with the f- the final sentence of that question. I don't think it is smothering his offensive no. upside. I think they are fully capable. I think it, I think Cam York is fully capable of showcasing offensive upside with one of those two guys. My example being is in Columbus with this same coaching staff. It's not like Seth Jones wasn't an offensively oriented defenseman when he played with Zach Wierenski. They're fully capable of having a pair with two offensively oriented guys that both go. This coaching staff will allow it. Now, if Cam York just doesn't have that in him, that's, the that's another thing. That's, but I don't, I don't think that putting him with Drysdale or Sanheim is going to smother Cam York's offensive upside forever. I, think, I don't think it has to. Like, It doesn't have to. No. no. Like, the idea, because, yeah, I I ultimately would like two guys who could move the puck. In fact, Matt Carl was never quite the puck mover he was without Chris Pronger, who was a decent enough puck mover himself, you know? Like, um, I just, like, him personally, whatever it is, whether he just sees it as his responsibility, like, I am a defenseman, you know, or whatever, having him with those guys, I've expected more offense out of Cam York to this point in his career yes. than we have seen. I did too. Maybe it's the pairing he's on. Maybe he's just not there. Maybe it's opportunity. Maybe he just doesn't have that ability. Like yeah. you're talking, like, yes, Jones and Wierenski could do it. You know what I would say is definite about both of those guys? They are considerably better than Cam York. That's my thing. Like, is- well, I don't, I don't know about Seth Jones. Yeah, that is a question mark. <laughs> I, uh, he's not awesome, but he's better than Cam York. Yeah, maybe. The perception, <laughs> he's the perception among any he is wildly overpaid. The idea yeah. of Seth Jones is better than yes. Cam York. Yes. Um, yeah, I do worry that Cam York isn't as good as we wanted him to be, ultimately. And also, we have a lot of dudes on defense. And if some team does think he's good enough to part ways with a guy that could be a legit 1C, like, yes. Yeah. 100% yes. He should not be... I don't think that trade would. Yeah, I don't think that trade would ever happen. I think he could be a piece, a, a piece, piece of a he bigger would be a deal. Piece, yes. I don't think he is the guy where you're doing one he's for on one. The center. You work for yeah, yeah. Zegers, like yeah, that's not going to happen. No, no, that's no, no, not no. what the deal was going to be. But no, like yeah, Cam York is a guy where I think I look at Cam York and my read on him is that he is going to be a rock solid second pair defenseman, and if he becomes more than that, that's freaking great. 
but I am looking at him as a solid second pair guy for the next decade. Yeah. And that's fine. But that's not a guy you hold up a trade for if you no. have the, the possibility of getting a real impact guy in, back in that deal. Yeah. Does the... Does what we have seen out of this coaching staff and how they have developed defensemen, I mean, yes, Sean Walker was highly thought of prior to his downfall in L.A., but, I mean, when we got him, I don't think anyone was like, oh, yeah, we're going to maybe get a first-round pick for this dude. Like, And that's on the table now, potentially. Uh -huh. We see, I mean, Nick Sealer, who a year ago, we're like, this fucking guy, really, this guy? And now it's like, yeah, they keep him. I'm cool. Risto. Like, I'm cool with that. Like, they fixed Risto, Risto. Yeah. who was yeah. getting the Andrew McDonald treatment. It's now it's like, yeah, we can live with yeah, him. Yeah, that's enough. You know, like, yeah. do you think what this coaching staff has done with defense kind of, all right, yeah, let's see if we can turn one of these other guys, namely Cam York, into something? Like, a in a trade? Well, they're trying to. I mean, when you say, well, you're talking about in a trade. Does it make you want to trade them more because no. they can develop defense? No, it doesn't. Because you're still talking about an, a, yes. a, a talented under 25 defenseman. I'm not just going to give him away because I think we can turn the next Sean Walker into Cam York. Cam York is still a valuable player. and You need to treat him as if he's a valuable player. Otherwise, you're going to make a dumbass trade. That said, you do have a really good coaching staff in terms of developing defensemen. You can't forget that. To me, that matters more about how you approach Nick Sealer and Sean Walker yes. than it does yes. how you well, approach Cam York. Absolutely. Uh, let me take a quick second to tell you about Bagels and Company. That's bagels. right. The best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here with Philly Love. First thing you got to know about Bagels and Co. Huge bagels. The biggest bagels in Philly and a large variety of them. Usually 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily. We, I've told you about the seasonals, the sports themes, all that. Kelly took a picture and showed us a Dorito Doritos bagel. That's uh, pretty interesting. I, I'm not gonna lie i'm pretty interested in that <laughs> now when you have that many bagels what do you need a ton of cream cheeses they have over 30 different flavors flavors of cream cheese to choose from daily and the uh, seasonal sports stuff all of that available as well and the most important thing bagels and company is an affordable brand you get a lot of food for cheap also coffee Pretty damn good. I would give it a try. Hey, so for the good. best Brooklyn-style bagels made right here in Philly, head to thebagelsandco.com slash store-locator to find the closest bagels and company near you. All right, where the hell were we? Uh, Zach Hood. Now it's time for Zach Hood's question. I want to ask this because it made Charlie so mad pre-show. Pre <laughs> Can Charlie please ask Tortorella why his nickname was the Paper Italian? Nicknamed the Paper Italian, Tortorella played right wing for three years, 78 to 81, at the University of Maine. And that is from his Wikipedia article. Charlie, next presser. First you question. Asking? No. First I'm not question. Asking. Like, like, I, I just, uh, I, love our, I love our listeners. I love my readers. I do. You have to understand that, like, it's not my job to uh, to read Wikipedia and ask a coach who is already primed to yell at every single journalist, hey, that nickname you had 45 years ago, was that real? Like, no, I'm not going to friggin' do that. Now, like, is it, it sounds like something someone made up just so this might happen. Yeah. <laughs> How do we get Sam Carcini to ask this question? Like, it, it's, that's something where... If I happen to be out at a bar and I run into John Tortorella, maybe I mentioned it to him. You in guys passing hang a lot of the same places. So. Or, what, or if I run into somebody who played with John Tortorella at the University of Maine, and it's like, hey, is that nickname on Wiki? Is that real? Like, I'm not going to use a question in a press conference to ask him a question like this. I always think of nicknames like, um, 
Is that something someone actually calls someone like calling for a pass? Paper Italian, I'm open. Paper Italian. <laughs> like no, that uh, this is not a real nickname. I'm just trying. No to, one has ever called Bill, anyone. I'm just that. trying to do my job here. I have a lot of Italian <laughs> friends. I call them a lot of names. Ain't none of them the Paper Italian. I've been thinking it through. And you know that phrase, like, paper tiger? Yeah. Like, maybe they were like, okay, like, Italians, mobsters, tough he's guys. He's not a real Italian. Not, he cooked for the team, really and it was fucking terrible, yeah, and now they call really, him the paper yeah. Italian. His sauce was terrible, so <laughs> yeah. he's not really good at being Italian. He so got his meatballs from, uh, from a deli. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. He yeah. didn't that, make that, them. That gobble Frozen bowl just didn't, no didn't gobble reach bowl. the standard. Oh, man, this is... <laughs> oh, it's truly hilarious. Um... Yeah, so he's not going to ask that. I'm and not asking that question, Zach Hood. I'm sorry. Because I knew he was going to get mad about it. I'm not mad. It's just like, me, that you need to happy. understand that like my job is to cover the team, not to ask random questions about a, uh, a side Charlie, on Wikipedia. Journalism is the pursuit of the truth. Exactly. Oh, my God. Who else is writing that article? <laughs> Nobody. No uh, one is writing that exactly. article. <laughs> no one else is going to write the article about the paper Italian. <laughs> finally... Our last question of this Mailbag Monday from Philly sports fan. Where are we? Oh, the Philly sports the fan. The Philly huh? sports fan. <laughs> Where are we at with Drysdale at this point? After an initial jolt of impressive play, he seems to have been less noticeable as of late. Seems like he is figuring out how to play in towards system, but I recognize he's still in his early 20s and D-men take time to develop. So that was always the thing. And then like some dudes started showing up in the league. It's like... Yeah, I don't know. Kale McCarr stepped off the ice in the NCAA, and he's the best. It's like, well, yeah, he's the next Bobby Orr. Uh, yeah. But forever, it was like, yeah, you don't even know what a f defenseman is till 25. I don't really want to wait that long to find out about Jamie Trysdale, but to. they do have the time. Is that all this is, or do you think it's more than, ah, oh, just give him some time? I mean, would it have been nice if he got here and stepped on the ice and was like a fully formed number one defenseman? Sure, that would have been nice. And he looked a little bit more fun in his first few games than he has lately. But like we've been saying, we have some kind of freakish defense wizard in Bradshaw and Drysdale clearly has the tools. So I think you just give it some time and see what happens. It's fine. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree, Kelly. Like there was always going to be a transition period here. He's also only 21. Yeah. He, does, he doesn't turn 22 until April. He's learning a new defensive a system. Child. He's getting used to playing under John freaking Tortorella. That's going to be an adjustment period for pretty much anybody. Rarely easy. Rarely easy for anyone. He was anyone. sleeping on a couch for a long time. Remember that? He was for he a bit. He didn't have a bed for a, a bit. Yeah. Like a dog. Amazon Prime. Get a mattress in a Willing day. Willing still doesn't have a bed frame. I, I think there's, a belief, dudes be there's like. a belief in the Flyers organization, though, that <laughs> Drysdale's development was screwed up a bit by getting rushed to the NHL. Mm -hmm. And I think they know that because of that, because he wasn't developed maybe the way he should have been, that he's going to be in need of some remedial work. But what excites them is they see what they think they can turn him yes. into. They know that it's not going to happen overnight. That there are some bad habits they're going to have to break. And there are some good habits they're going to have to implement in his mind and get him like convinced that he can do this, that yeah. it's okay, and it's not going to happen overnight. They might be wrong. Maybe Jamie Drysdale is just not all that good and he will stay not all that good for the rest of his career. But they believe that the tools are there mm -hmm. and that the, the hockey IQ mm -hmm. is there, that they can mold him into something special. And we're just going to have to wait and see. We're all going to have to be a little bit patient and we're going to have to see if Bradshaw and John Tortorella can indeed do what they think they can do over time with Jamie it Drysdale. It just seems silly to me not to trust that they can, given what we've seen. Like, I 100% trust that whatever they think he is... They're going to turn him into it. it 
how how fast i don't know yeah but i have no reason not to believe that they will because they've been doing it if they fix rasters Ristol exactly item, they give me like like i'm gonna give them a lot of rope because i did not think it was possible no to fix a 27 year old defenseman who in all of my viewings of him from Buffalo, look like one of the dumbest hockey players I'd ever watched. Practically a decade of bad habits on defense, and they fixed him into something that's not a disaster. Yeah. Which is huge. Yeah. To the point where we actually might get to see playoff Risto. Playoff Risto. Imagine. God, it would suck so much if they make the playoffs and, and like he, can't he, play. he had to get surgery. Oh he can't my play. God, like, that is exactly what's that would be happen. miserable. We've this been waiting so long for 100% this. One hundred percent. The entire league. Or they're gonna win a round. He's gonna come back. And, and then, then lose, he's going to yeah. lead them all the way. Con Smythe after not playing <laughs> in the first they'll, round. Or they'll completely fall yeah, apart. Yeah, he's going to be minus eight yeah. in three games, mm-hmm. and it's going to be over. Uh, all right, that is basically... Right. Before, before we oh, end, okay. I do want to crack one of these. I feel like we should. Is Absolutely. this a twist? Is a twist stop? I hope so. Yeah, yeah, there we go. All right, Bill. So to our new sponsor, Coors. Thank you to our newest sponsor, Coors Light. Look at this. There we go. Absolutely delicious. Five o'clock somewhere, fam. <laughs> Good Make stuff. Make sure you chill out with Coors Light and you can get it delivered to you. I forget how, but I Instacart. said it earlier. Yeah, Instacart. Instacart. There we Instacart. go. Instacart.com <laughs> slash P-H-L-Y hockey. Uh, thank you to our newest sponsor. Before we get out of here, I got to tell you about our takeover at the Wells Fargo yeah. Center. It is March 14th. It starts at 5 p.m. You can get tickets to the game between the Flyers and Leafs. It was a hell of a game up in Toronto. Wouldn't mind winning the... Uh, wouldn't mind winning the rematch, but it's going to be a good game. It usually is between these two teams. It's at the Wells Fargo Center on March 14th. Go to allphly.com slash events to get your tickets now. And yeah, the, you know, the tickets, they might cost one thing, but if you're a diehard, they might cost just a little less. If you want to become a diehard, it ain't that difficult. All you have to do is go to allphly.com to sign up, and boom, you'll get your discount to the events. Buy your discounted tickets Everything all at once. Get two birds stoned at the same time, there as Kelly Eagle would say. At the same time. And also, another uh, selling point for diehards, I will be beginning our bi-annually prospect week tomorrow. I will be compiling our top 20 list for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. All of the articles for prospect week will be behind the diehard subscriber membership tier. So if you want to read Better those stories, in. you want to see the prospect rankings, get that diehard membership starting tomorrow. If I show up to this takeover game in a Mitch Marner jersey, am I fired from this part-time job? No. No. Right, perfect. No. I'm going to troll everybody. You I mean, we're going to make fun of you. You have a job it, forever. <laughs> you, they, we have a fill-in now. I can go and be irresponsible. <laughs> it's the most important thing. Forget Charlie's Fair Capital enough. J Journalism. All right. That <laughs> has been, this has been PHLY Flyers presented by Mortgage CS. Check out mortgagecs.com slash PHLY to start your home buying process today. Company NMLS. NMLS ID number 1464766. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor and Kelly Hinkle. Have a great week, Philly. Y'all silly like the mayor. 